Hello, and welcome to the Black Sheep Dialogues. I am your host and lead Black Sheep, Corey Gaston. Idiomatically, the black sheep is referred to as someone who is viewed as unlike the rest, usually a part of a family. The Black Sheep Dialogues is a proximity podcast centered on the intersection of faith and culture from the perspective of Christians of color, a much-needed dialogue that is missing from the Christian collective on issues of concern from this population of Christ's body, the black sheep. Here you will hear gospel-centered content that is meant to spur conversation that brings the body together towards unity for the sake of the Christian witness. I invite you to take this journey with us each week as we learn and grow. Together. Hello, hello, hello. It is indeed the lead black sheep, Corey Gaston, your host. And this week we are joined by Mrs. Black Sheep, my bride, Laura Gaston. Hello. Hello. So this week, um, my wife has actually spent the time curating some content uh, that we are going to go through. And um, so without further ado and making a lengthy intro. Uh, We're going to jump right into it. One thing of note, um, if you are new to the podcast and are interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, I absolutely welcome that. Uh, You can go to the Patreon page and look for the Black Sheep Dialogues, and there you can become a supporter of the content that we are putting out and all that fun stuff. So let's jump into it, Laura. Okay. So what are some of the most influential things you've heard during this time? Okay. So ironically enough, one of the most influential things that I've heard this season actually came from one of um, my workout videos. And I didn't look for it. I was not looking for it. Um, But as soon as Shalene from the Beachbody team said it, it stuck with me. And she made mention of... Um, you know, coming back tomorrow and logging in to do this thing with the workout. And she said, and ask your friends and make sure that they come with you. And if your friends don't want to come with you, get new friends because healthy people help people. And I'm like, huh, that's pretty interesting. And of course, I'm paraphrasing. But she alluded to the idea that, you know, if you have friends that are not wishing to partake in living a healthy lifestyle, then possibly you need to get new friends. And in this work of um, race and cultural reconciliation, um, of course, I want everyone to love Jesus and love people as I think I do and others do. Um, That, of course, is the greatest witness to the gospel. So um, healthy people wish to help people. And of course, that does not mean that I'm, quote, healthy and others are not, but I think it was profound the way that she said it about inviting others to come along the journey and to become healthy with you. And so I appreciated that. And so finding nuggets of truth in the most interesting of places on a workout video. That's good. Let's see. When it comes to the removal of the Confederate flag or Confederate statues, What does it mean to you? How do you feel knowing these things that have always been present in your lifetime 
are being removed. And do you believe the removal means that history is being erased? So I'll answer that question backwards. No, I do not believe that history is being erased. Um, Because those are not necessarily markers of history. Um, They are markers um, historically that were placed there to bring intimidation or to bring a realization um, when people that looked like me were gaining some sense of autonomy or some sense of uh, self, they were erected to remind people. So it's not necessarily a commemoration as some have espoused. Um, so no, I don't believe that it is erasing history as we have um, copious amounts of education um, on, the con- on, on the Civil War and the, and the Confederacy. Um, tons of stuff uh, where we honeymooned in Charleston there's a big uh, Daughters of the Confederacy right there off of Market Street and there's tons of places that still curate this content and curate this history for people um, especially down here in the deep antebellum south um, where the war was fought largely and so of course we have history books and uh, Civil War reenactments that take place each year. Uh, I've even had students uh, participate in those over years past. So no, I don't believe that it will erase history as we do not commemorate most things in our history. Uh, we teach it, but that's a, an entirely different thing. Um, how do I feel about them coming down? Um, similarly to laws that have been written Um, legislation that has been passed, um, removing something does not necessarily mean that it takes root in someone's heart. Um, So as thankful as I am that those vestiges from the past are coming down and are no longer um, visible for me to see and to serve as a reminder of things I can't do or places I can't go, um, I'm hopeful, more hopeful, of the heart change that will take place, hopefully, as conversations are had um, about these things. What do you want our children to experience in today's society? And how is that different than what you grew up experiencing? So I obviously want a much better world for our four children than the world that we grew up in and the one that we're currently living in. Um, And if you're listening to this right now, you obviously are aware that this is 2020 and this is the proverbial raisinette at the bottom of the goober's box. Um, And if you're young and don't understand what those are, a raisinette is a chocolate covered raisin. And if you like raisins, you like raisins. And a a goober is a chocolate-covered peanut. And, of course, that's just wonderful. But this is the hidden raisinette at the very, very bottom of the box of a year. So, to that end, um, I want my children and my children's children, when they have them, to um, grow up in a world that is much more equitable than the world that we grew up in. I was born in 1978 and my bride was born in 1980 
So we were the children of the students that were first integrated in 1960 and beyond. Um, so the world was very different. I was always one of three to five brown-faced students in my classroom or in my grade level, uh, depending on the year. Um, but that is not the same for my children. My children go to a very diverse school and attend a very diverse church. So their upbringing is markedly different than mine and yours. You grew up in rural China Grove, North Carolina. I grew up in rural Harrisburg, North Carolina. Two very similar, but two very different cities or towns. Um, but our kids are growing up in a, in a different time. And so what I want for them is um, every opportunity that is afforded to them based off of who they are as individuals and not because of the shade of their skin. Um, I don't want anything to be prohibited from them because of the same, same reasons. Um, I want my children's children to grow up in a world where conversations like we're having today and have been necessitated by the absence of the voice of the church um, are still a necessity. I want them to grow up in a time where um, they live and love and serve people that are different than themselves and are able to be a, a better witness to the world than we have been, than our generation has been, and the generation that uh, we've inherited this earth from um, has been as well. And so that's what um, I have hopes for for our children's generation. Okay, thank you. What do you think when you hear the word racism? Hmm. So most people do not understand what the word racism is. And if they do, they've conflated the grotesque and horrible acts of um, lynching or blasting people with fire hoses or um, the KKK burning crosses in yards and um, today in 2020 when people hear those phrases or if someone accuses someone of being uh, racist or um, espousing racism I believe in their mind's eye they go right back to these images that we've seen um, in history books, on television, possibly in movies, and hearing of stories of community, communities that have been ravaged by that extreme expression of racism. But truthfully, um, that is just a manifestation of ra racism. Um, racism is a construct that is built on the idea of power and more specifically power at the subjugation and suppression of a minoritized and marginalized group. Um, it truthfully, if you want to be specific, um, in our context in America, we think of it as black and white, but it can truthfully be anyone that holds and wields power over another for the sake of difference. And that is... Um, the construct that has been built um, to create this idea of racism because factually we're all human so we're all part of the same race uh, nationally we can each be different um, I am of African descent specifically Cameroon 
you are English descent. Um, but nationally, we were both born here, right? right. Uh, so that um, we, we create these constructs that then delineate who we are, right? So did that answer the question? So. Okay, cool. Tell me why having the first-hand perspective of a brown person is so important. So, in the book that we wrote called Proximity, it specifically spells out um, the life that we've lived um, individually and as a married couple, and us being multi-ethnically married and have been for 18 years with four babies. Um, our perspectives are completely and totally different, even though we've been in the same marriage and we both have um, the same children. Um, our lives are very, very different. Our expressions of our lives are very, very different. And oftentimes, um, without the input or influence of others, we live a very homogenous life. Um, our country is made up of multiple shades, multiple cultures, and oftentimes we tend to silo up and live under this very um, single view of what it is that, you know, that we call life. And we typically oftentimes don't hear from other people, specifically people that look like me, whether in leadership or, um, and this is, you know, I'll speak directly to the church, um, largely in the evangelical church, there are not voices like mine that are heard oftentimes uh, from the congregations or from people in mass at our, you know, churches. And so, um, without hearing another perspective, we tend to think uh, wrongly that our perspective is the perspective of everyone and that our life experiences are the same as everyone else's. And, you know, I liken it to um, geography, you know, so we live in the South and our winters are very mild and they are always very mild and have historically been very mild. And when we have people that move down from up north, um, I use some of my friends that have come down from Buffalo, where they get feet of snow each year. And we get inches, if that. But the way that we respond to the inches is severely different than the way that they respond to feet of snow. And so when they see inches, it's no big deal, of no big consequence. Um, and of course, down here in the South, we shut down. The right. schools will be done. The cities are done. We have salt trucks on the road. Schools are, are, are not coming back and we don't know what look, if, it, if it melts and then refreezes. That's black ice. We're still shutting this puppy down. But in Buffalo, they get 12 to 15 feet of snow a year and it's you know business as usual. And so oftentimes, not all the time, uh, those transplants from up North, they laugh at us down here and there's a sociological term called geographical ignorance mm -hmm. where we assume that every place is always like the place that we're from and the place that we're most familiar with and so of course you wouldn't shut down school for a, a dusting of snow 
if you're from Buffalo, because that's their normal experience and they're used to dealing with it. And they have, you know, engine heaters so that the cars can crank and, you know, all those things. They have actual snow tires. They don't, we don't even sell those down here. But the way that we function down here is way different than the way that they function up north. And so uh, you oftentimes see the critiques on Facebook, on social media during the wintertime when we are freaking out over bread and milk. And everybody's like, what are y'all making milk sandwiches down south? And so it's an entirely different perspective because our lived realities are drastically different. They are used to something that we are not. And the way that we respond to it is totally different than them. And so, um, but without having the two perspectives to compare and contrast, we live a very homogenous, one-sided life. And so that's why I think it's important to hear from us um, as well in our, in our churches, in our communities, uh, your friend groups, your faith groups. Um, it's very, very important to hear from someone else because the perspective that you live may drastically be different than the person uh, that we call your neighbor. And it's important to talk to someone you actually know as Absolutely. Well. Yeah, so having relationship with others is severely important. And, I mean, as a believer, um, we should obviously be kind to all people, but the witness of the church is strengthened when those of us um, that share little to nothing in common but Christ uh, live, love, and do life together. It is a powerful witness to the watching world. Um, it gives testament to the gospel that this message does absolutely work. And so um, it changes hearts and lives, and that is what we want to see on this way. If you could tell the people of Christ one thing concerning racial reconciliation, what would it be? Our king died for it. He absolutely died for it. And when I read the Council of the New Testament uh, from Acts all the way to Hebrews, which Hebrews is still contested as to who wrote it, but we know that Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. Paul is reiterating the same things that Jesus mentioned all through the Gospels. And he is speaking to these Gentiles and these redeemed Jews. And Gentile is just a, a generic word um, that means not Jewish. And so that could be um, Greek, Roman, as Paul was writing letters to all of those people in those various countries, various churches that had popped up, and he was giving admonition to these people as to how to live. Of course, we see doctrine in there. We see teaching, correction, reproof, all the things. But we also see this instruction as to how people of difference are to live and love and do life together. So what I encourage the body of Christ to do um, with my voice, I don't have a very large platform, is to spend the time because it is worth it to make effective change for the witness of the gospel in this way. When we see 
um, the church living as diversely as it's supposed to and being this witness, um, I think you, it, I mean, it, it puts the gospel fully out there. Um, if you consider the way that the gospel was written um, and where it was written and the animosity and the tension that was present, it shows so much in those communities when they were willing to abandon their families, abandon those that they love who did not serve the Lord, um, and to live in other communities of people that they would have otherwise hated. Um, it makes everybody in the community scratch their head um, because the gospel is that strong. It changes people. And when it changes people and the people see it, it makes them curious as to, hold on, so what is this thing you're talking about? This this who guy? Jesus? Messiah? So uh, words to the church is worth it because our king died for it. That's good. Well, thank you. This has been the Black Sheep Dialogues this week with your lead host and lead Black Sheep, Corey Gaston, with his guest, Mrs. Black Sheep, Laura Gaston. Thank you guys again for checking us out. If you would, please be so kind as to leave a comment, a review, and things of that nature. If you want to, you can send me an email. I'll give you my personal email address at cgaston seven eight at me.com and if there's anything that you guys would like me to discuss I more than welcome that feedback and much appreciate your continued support thanks so much <laughs>